Hello, Discover here to explain our cash back match. Here's how it works. We give you cash back for using your Discover card on the things you were going to buy anyway. Then we match that cash back in your first year. And that's why we call it Cashback Match. Now to recap and say cash back one more time. We match all the cash back you've earned at the end of your first year automatically. Discover. Exceptionally common sense. Learn more at discover.com slash match. Limitations apply. We're supposed to be in a ring where we're supposed to fight, and you're going in there bringing rock and roll in all this scuzz bag. I'm Cindy. I'm just sitting there. I'm talking to Cindy Lauper. I'm going over there. Hello, darling. No, I won't have a date with you. I'm sorry. You have beer on your breath, and she's going to sit there and grab my leg. She's going to sit there and lay down and grab my leg. 104 pounds. Me, who's beat everybody in the world, and expects me to sit there and do nothing about her. So I kick her 12 yards across the field. She's a woman. She's a woman in the but ring. She's a woman. I'll tell you something. If you slap me, I'll knock you out. You know, when you flash back to 1985, the Rock and Wrestling Connection, WWF, MTV, the War to Settle the Score, Piper versus Hogan, WrestleMania 1, you are reminded how crucial and how important Roddy Piper was in the entire scheme of things. You know, I was looking for some good audio clips to share with everyone this week regarding the rock and wrestling connection award to settle a score, because that did take place this week in history. Most of the clips that I found that were entertaining and I think you all would enjoy pretty much feature Roddy Piper. And I will definitely share a bunch of those with you momentarily. But first, I'd like to welcome everyone to this week in wrestling history. I am Don Tony, as always, and I want to thank you very much for listening. This week, we will cover the period of February 12th through February 18th. And like I just said, it was this week in 85, the war to settle the score. Roddy Piper versus Hulk Hogan for the WWF title. Mr. T would get involved. This aired on MTV. It would be the springboard to WrestleMania 1. Very, very entertaining event at that time. I watched it as a kid in real time and really enjoyed it. Did not have any issue of the rock and wrestling connection. Funny thing is, in the year 2018, if you try to do a joint effort with music, I don't know if wrestling fans would be as receptive. You know, at that time, the industry was obviously much more uh, innocent, I guess you could call it. A lot of people still thought it was quote-unquote real, as I've talked about in the past. And you didn't have the internet. So basically, you saw the event, you talked about it with your friends, and that was it. But I'm going to share with everyone a couple of audio promos from that time. As I said at the beginning of this episode, Roddy Piper is featured on quite a bit of it. So important at that time. I get a kick out of him belittling Danny DeVito, who's little enough, you know, if you listen to the little remarks, you know, comparing him to Tattoo of Fantasy Island. But you'll also hear an extended promo. It's basically back and forths from wrestlers, primarily heels, and musicians from that era. You'll hear Piper, Hogan, Dee Snyder of Twisted Sister, Andy Taylor, Kenny Loggins, Peter Wolf, Tina Turner, Bobby Heenan, Sheik and Volkov, Freddie Blassie, Adrian Adonis, and Dick Murdoch, Junkyard Dog, and others. But um, I really think that you'll enjoy these clips. And I tried to find some out there that you may not have heard before. But here are some promo highlights from 1985, The Rock and Wrestling Connection. 
one of the most successful shows ever possibly in the history of shows and of course I'm creeping up on the back of uh, Mr. T I can tell you that because it's got it written right here on the back of your chair Mr. T hello I know you can hear me and I don't mean to bother you my name's Hot Rod of course you know who I am and I know who you are because your name's written on the back of the chair and I'm assuming that that's there so you don't get lost they told me to come down here and talk to you because what you got here is this great successful show then you guys are portraying these bad guys and they wanted to know since I am a bad guy actual in real life and I do beat people folks up for a living what they wanted to know they kind of wanted to know how does it feel to be portraying someone like myself well you ain't nothing man Oh, oh, why do we all? Because I don't have a chair with my name on it? Excuse me, I don't need one, because I can take any chair I want to take. I ain't nothing what you're talking about. Hey, man, I see what you've been doing on TV, man. You've been fighting them little wimps. What I do is for real. Wimps? What? That's right, wimps. Oh, what are you talking about, wimps? I'll let this take a look at you. Wimps, let me see wimps. The only wimp I can think of is uh, uh, Cindy Lauper's manager, Dave Wolf. Uh, He's a wimp. Yeah, yeah, speaking about Cindy Lauper, she happened to be my friend. We go out together sometime with I like her singing. Oh, and I heard about what you did to her in Madison Square Garden. Oh. I don't like that at all. Oh, you don't like That's that? That's why you call yourself tough, because you, you, you can punch on a lady? Wait, 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 wait. I am an equal opportunist. Let's put it this way. Let's take a look at you. Here you are. You shave your head on both sides. She dyes I her orange. What you're I doing is you're supporting all these wonderful children. Yes, now, how can they look up to you with you looking like that, her with long hair? The children of American today must be sick. So look at someone. Hey, 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 h
When I come from, rock and roll don't exist because music is something where you can feel the notes. When the artists come, classic music comes. Sing people and sing. And I just like to show you what the music sounds like. Sing something beautiful. When the KGB heard Volkov sing, they gave him a choice between a Siberian salt mine and the World Wrestling Federation. Iran, number one. The Aron Sheik, number one. Number one. Rock and roll, America. Ah! When I heard all the comments from all the heavyweights, man, the number ones at what they do, you know, Duran Duran, Tina Turner, Peter Wolf, when I heard all these heavyweights talking, how disgusted they were, how Roddy Piper put a black mark on the rock and wrestling connection, I decided to take it in my hands. What is the future of for rock and roll and the wrestling connection? First of all, it's garbage. It don't belong in the same category. I don't want these skinny little geeks around me, man. I'm a man. I'm a true man. What is the future of it the future of professional wrestling is me the future of rock and roll is down the toilet <laughs> i hate all of you and the best part about it is i get to pay you all back in one single night i don't even have to meet you one-on-one <laughs> the rock and wrestling connection our reputation's at stake and i'm gonna take care of it and what you gonna do when the wired off hosts are involved with you piper Danny, your thoughts just in general on professional wrestling. You've got to be, I guess, uh, this is your first outing. I don't know if you've been to a professional... No, no, I've never been before, but I'm, I'm coming again. I mean, it's incredible. You, you I really had a great time. Were, were, you, were you shocked at all? Wait a minute now. I don't know if I want to conduct this interview or not with you. Piper, you will take a microphone and press up if you're going to come on. This is not I can do exactly what I want to do. The only way this guy... Danny, the only way this guy holds his title... No, wonderful, wonderful, the planes. The only way this guy... The only way this guy holds his title is he has his... As a stupid guy with some ridiculous haircut. All of a sudden, all these people are flooding the ring. If you ain't got enough guts to fight me one-on-one, mister, then take a hike and leave the title with me. If you want this geek, Mr. T, to come in, I'll be glad to put an X where the T is. I don't really give a damn, man. You want to bring your title down and defend it like you said you would? Then bring it down, but don't be a blithering coward, huh? And then we leave you laying there like a piece of garbage that you are? Ah, oh, what? Ah, oh, this. Wait a minute. I am the champion. You know that for a fact, Piper, millions and millions of people here on what? MTV. You Did know they, what they see him pin me? Did they see him pin me? No! All they saw is a piece of crap. That's all they saw, man. They didn't see him do nothing to me. Let me tell you something. I am the champion. I don't want to talk no more about it. If you want to see me next time, bring the goof, bring the little black man, bring him into the ring, bring the big blonde man, and come on, brother. I'll take him by myself. Brings back memories. It's amazing that it's been that many years gone by, but Believe me, it was so crucial for WWF to lead into WrestleMania with this much momentum. Got so much press at that time. I mean, I remember still to this day, the Daily News, the night of WrestleMania 1, I think it was Mr. T who had Piper above his shoulders doing the airplane spin, and that was the photo on the cover of the Daily News. So very big deal at that time. And just for people that are curious... That after 85, we would not have MTV do a wrestling-themed event on their network until 1998. They aired WCW's MTV Ultimate Video Bash. I wonder how many of you remember that. Absolute disaster. It ended up raining. That's all I remember is the rain. 
And I know that there's little bits and pieces of footage online of this event. Um, And before anybody says to me, of course, I know that they had DDP and Raven and others on MTV. I'm talking about a wrestling themed event, actual matches, full card did not happen until 1998. But there you go. This week in 1985. We fast forward to 1986, and it was this week in 86, during Saturday night's main event, that they debuted the premiere of Hulk Hogan's music video, Real American. And that night, it also would set up the triple main event for WrestleMania 2. 1987, and a Superstars taping. We technically had the beginning of Brutus Beefcake as the barber. Now, this is pretty much how it went down. It obviously had to progress over time, but this is the event where it really started. There was a tag team match, a six-man tag team match. Can-Am Connection, which was Rick Martell and Tom Zink, along with Lonnie Poffo, took on the dream team of Brutus Beefcake, Greg Naham and Valentine, and Adrian Adonis. Now, at this time, Adrian Adonis was supposed to face Roddy Piper at WrestleMania three, hair versus hair. And leading up to WrestleMania, Adrian Adonis, after he would have matches on TV, he would then take scissors and cut the opponent's hair. This was before Brutus Beefcake ever did it. So during this match, Adrian Adonis grabbed scissors and was going to give Rick Martel a haircut. But Martel grabbed Brutus Beefcake, reversed positions, and Adrian Adonis accidentally cut some of Brutus Beefcake's hair. Ultimately, Martel would roll up Brutus Beefcake for the win. Beefcake and Adonis would have a falling out. Beefcake would get his payback a month and a half later, WrestleMania 3, when he helped Roddy Piper shave Adrian Adonis's hair, and hence Brutus the Barber Beefcake was born. But it was this falling out that basically started everything going in motion. 1985, Ted DiBiase awards himself the Million Dollar Champion. He presents to everyone to see the Million Dollar title. And, you know, I did some research online as far as the belt itself. At that time, the belt cost $40,000. You know, a lot of people think to this day that it was completely filled with diamonds. In actuality, it was only a couple of diamonds on it, but it was primarily cubic zirconia. Doesn't take away the beauty of this belt, though. Um, not to mention the belt was gold-plated. It wasn't solid gold. Now, could you imagine if the belt cost forty grand to build it with gold-plated metal and cubic zirconia? Could you imagine how much that title would have cost if it was real diamonds? Could have been a million dollars. Could have been more. Who knows? But um, it was this week in 89 that he introduced to us the million-dollar title. Now we fast forward all the way to 1996. Still remember this night. Did not go to the event. You know, if you ask ECW original fans of the original ECW at that time, you'll find out that 65,000 people were in attendance for Cyberslam 96. The internet convention. I didn't go. I went to a couple events in Philly during that year for ECW, but I did not go to Cyberslam 96. I wish I did. Because if you've been following this week in wrestling history, my episodes, the last couple of weeks, I talked about Brian Pillman and last week, the falling out between him and WCW had the um, I Respect You match 
with Kevin Sullivan and walked out after 45 seconds? Well, a lot of people don't realize that it was only one week later that Brian Pillman would make a surprise appearance at ECW at CyberSlam 96. And I have seen this. I have heard it a thousand times since it went down. But for those out there that may have never seen it or just want to relive a little bit of history, this is how it went down this week in 1996 at the ECW Arena, Cyberslam 96. Joey Styles is in the ring introducing everyone to Cyberslam. The lights go out, and then this happens. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Extreme Championship Wrestling. I'm Joey Styles at the ECW Arena in South Philadelphia, along with hundreds of fans from all over the country and all over the world who converged here in South Philadelphia for the ECW Internet Convention. Yeah. <laughs> 
Constitution was written. Now, Mr. Gopher, Mr. 90s whiz kid. The great success story of 96. Former coffee gopher.
you know, if you actually watch the video of this after they quote unquote escort Brian Pillman out of the building, Shane Douglas is cutting a promo in the ring, wanting to beat up that WCW reject. And it was really, really well done. And to this day, some people think that, you know, the fan was legitimately attacked. They really did it well. So bravo, ECW 1996. We now jump to 1997. Monday Night Raw first, Rocky Maivia defeated Triple H, or Hunter Helmsley at the time, to win the Intercontinental title. The win made Rocky Maivia the youngest IC champion in WWF history. Well, obviously, since then, it was surpassed by Randy Orton, who was uh, 23 when he won his first IC title in 2003. Kind of surprised that 26 years old, was considered young. I don't. I got to double check that that stat that people have reported online over the years. But this night on Raw was most noted for two other things. First off, Shawn Michaels' speech vacating the WWF Championship. Now, originally, I capped this audio. I was going to share it with everyone. It's about seven minutes long. If I, you know, really condense it, but. No disrespect to Shawn Michaels, but the audio is kind of boring. I mean, it's most noted for him losing his smile, and he does shed a couple of tears during this promo. And if you look at the video, which is obviously in the WWE Network, there are women in the crowd crying and bawling their eyes out because Shawn Michaels is basically saying that he has to step away, he's got problems with his knee, and he may never wrestle again. And you got to keep in mind, this is the same year as Survivor Series, the Montreal Screwjob. And to this day, some people wonder if Shawn Michaels really did have knee issues at that time. And just a little tidbit as well that I didn't even realize until I was doing some research this week. Shawn Michaels is the only person to have relinquished the all three major WWE titles, the heavyweight title, the intercontinental title, and the tag titles. Did not know that. He forfeited the IC title due to him being suspended in 1993. He forfeited the tag titles with Diesel in late 1994. And obviously he would forfeit the heavyweight title in 1997. So very interesting tidbit that I wasn't aware of. That same night, China made her debut on Monday Night Raw, and I still, I remember that so clearly. Do you, I mean, she hits the ring, and she's throwing around Terry Reynolds like a rag doll, and I know some of you pervs at that time, you know, maybe focusing on her panties a little bit when, you know, I, I'm just telling it like it is, but it was this week, 1997, that China made her Monday Night Raw debut. Very cool. 1998. At a Raw taping in Waco, Texas, the Headbangers defeated the Rock and Roll Express to win the NWA World Tag Team titles. That match was contested under WWF rules. First time title changed hands on WWF programming. And I still remember that match. The Jim Cornette thought he was hitting one of the Headbangers with his tennis racket. He accidentally hit one of the members of the Rock and Roll Express, turned around, thought he had completed his job, then realized that he hit the wrong person. Headbangers won titles and obviously at that time wwf was in a lot of disarray because wcw monday nitro had a huge amount of momentum in 1998 i mean the attitude era was starting to gel and really starting to uh get momentum itself but 
at that time, WCW did have, you know, a lot of uh, footing. So if interesting time and I'm telling you, you know, I know a lot of you younger fans out there revisit uh, the Monday Night Wars because you weren't a wrestling fan. You might have not even been alive during that time. But as a wrestling fan, man, couldn't be beat. Channel surfing, Raw, Nitro, back and forth. Who's going to show up? Who's going to leave? What's going to happen? I mean, it really was the greatest time in wrestling history. And it's a shame. I've said this on the other shows, you know, with the current world that we live in, it's only a matter of time that you're going to hear Stephanie or possibly even Vince McMahon turn around and say that they regret the Attitude Era. They'll try to play face and talk out of both sides of their mouth so they don't piss off a tremendous, you know, group of wrestling fans that have stuck around since way before even the Attitude Era. They'll probably say that they regret certain aspects of the Attitude Era or maybe parts of the Attitude Era, but basically because of the world that we live in right now, everything is PC. And then, yes, this time at back then, Girls Gone Wild, Jerry Springer, Beavis and Butthead, you know, it was a different era and it was much more outlandish. But to turn around and say you regret it, I just think is wrong. Now, don't put words in my mouth. I'm not alleging them of saying that yet. Just see it coming. Sooner or later, you're going to hear an interview where they pretty much say that they regret the Attitude Era and the smut and everything that uh, that came about it. So that same week, very quiet. Nobody brought this up at all. That same week in 1998, AJ Styles made his pro wrestling debut. He debuted at NCW, which is National Championship Wrestling under a mask, was called Mr. Olympia. And if my research is correct, he lost his first ever match, losing to Michael Brooks. That same week on Monday Nitro, you had a fun tag team match. Dean Malenko and Chris Benoit defeating Chris Jericho and Eddie Guerrero. And, you know, you kind of look back at that and, you know, all four guys would ultimately leave WCW about a year later and uh, make history in the WWE. Speaking of history, 1999, Nick Gage makes his pro wrestling debut. He debuted at CZW and lost a four-way death match involving himself, Domino, TCK, and Justice Payne. Nick Gage on the Northeast was a pretty big deal as far as hardcore wrestling goes. And obviously... In recent years, he really hit hard times, robbed the bank. Anybody remember us covering that on the DTKC show? Robbed the bank, was shown, I think, at a casino, had a problem with painkillers. He served his time. I don't know how he's doing right now, but, you know, in this in our country, and this is not a shot towards anybody out, outside of the United States. I'm only speaking for us right now. In our country, you're innocent until proven guilty, even though it kind of is the reverse when you follow the way things go down online. But also, you know, you can redeem yourself. You know, you serve your time, you learn from your mistakes, and you redeem yourself. And I hope that is applicable for Nick Gage. 1999, WWF presented In Your House, St. Valentine's Day Massacre. And who can ever forget? Steve Austin versus Vince McMahon in a steel cage, the bump that Vince McMahon took going through the table. I know Steve Austin has really sung the praise of Vince McMahon at that time because Vince McMahon did not cut corners. He 
put himself through the physicality and, you know, that bump he took off the cage for his age and him not being uh, a pro wrestler, it was a pretty big deal at that time. And the same night we had the debut of the big show, real name Paul White. And, you know, who could ever remember him, you know, getting into the cage? And I think it was Michael Cole. Oh, my God, he's huge. He's huge. Big deal, 1999. The following night, on Monday Night Raw this week in 99, The Undertaker defeated Kane in the infamous Inferno match. One moment during that match, I think a lot of people forget about is, do you remember the little gift that Vince McMahon got ringside, I just thought this was ridiculously stupid. I mean, at that time, I remember doing the wrestling hotline, and I remember giving my views and opinions as this stuff was going down on TV, and it felt like some of the WWF wrestlers and Vince were not, I don't want, I mean, obviously they're acting, they're performers, but it felt like they were trying to boost their portfolio as far as being possibly legitimate actors. You know what I mean? Like you could just feel like the excessive acting, almost like it's be this aspect of the storyline. I didn't think was necessary at all. Obviously the undertaker and Stephanie, we know about everything that went down at that time, trying to marry her, where to Stephanie and blah, 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 blah. But still undertaker, uh, Vince McMahon gets a gift at ringside. He opens it up. It's Stephanie McMahon's teddy bear as a child. Ultimate, uh, ultimately, the Undertaker lights the teddy bear on fire, throws it down the rampway, and Vince McMahon is like, no, why? <laughs> why? Stupid. Very stupid. Was not needed that night during the Inferno match. The Inferno match, when it went down, I know a lot of younger fans probably get to ask this question. What did you think? about the Inferno match when it went down at that time. I got to be honest with you, thought it was pretty good. I mean, I don't think anybody in their right mind ever expected Undertaker or Kane to be set on fire. You know, Kane having his boot set on fire to end the match was kind of eh, because it, it looked like anybody out there that's ever used Sternos for like a party or a catering you know what I'm talking about. And if you don't know what sternos are, go look it up. But sternos, you know, you you light under like, um, when you have catering in your house, if you could have, let's say, a tray of uh, sausage and peppers or a tray of baked ziti, stuffed shells, managots, uh, tortellini alfredo, chicken oregano. Am I getting you hungry? You know, what you do is you take a metal pan, you fill it up with water, you put it on a metal rack, and then you put the sternos underneath it, you light it, and it's a gel. And the sternos light up like a little fire under it and it heats up the water. And then you put the tray of food on top of the tray that's filled with water. And it basically keeps everything warm. And you got to stir it a little bit so you don't get things burnt on the bottom of the tray. But the sternos are like uh, like a gel and it lights. And, it, and when Kane's boot went up, it looked like somebody from catering in the back took a sterno and said, you know what, let me rub a little bit of the sterno gel on your boot. And because you could see like that bluish purple tint. Because I, I, I remember it vividly, it just looked like somebody wiped his boot with sterno. And I'm not complaining, but, you know, just to have the boot light up was kind of, you know, of a letdown after. But again, did we actually think that one of them was going to be lit on fire? I don't think so. 
2000, WCW Saturday night. Hacksaw Jim Duggan finds the WCW World TV title in a trash can, pulls it out, cuts a promo, and declares himself the World TV champion. He would hold the title for a little less than two months, and title ended up being uh, deactivated. So Duggan, this week in 2000, pulls the world television title out of the trash can. Because remember, Duggan was doing the janitor gimmick at that time. 2001 at Super Brawl, Scott Steiner defeated Kevin Nash in a two out of three falls match to retain the WCW heavyweight title. And that ended up being Kevin Nash's last ever appearance in WCW. 2002, very important. As far as Hogan versus Rock. I mean, we remember that legendary match at WrestleMania, one of my favorites of all time. It was this week in 2002, the NWO would make their WWF debut. First, they would debut at the No Way Out pay-per-view. Then the following night on Raw, they beat the piss out of The Rock. In case you forgot this, because I, I always remember, and I swear to you, I have not seen this footage since 02. But one of the earliest podcast episodes that I ever done, I don't even think Kevin Castle was even part of our network yet. It was myself, Joey924, and Black Moses, and we did a recap of Raw. And it, we all I remember from that night is us laughing because I don't think it was intentionally supposed to be funny. In fact, it definitely wasn't supposed to be funny. But when after they beat up, the NWO beat up The Rock in the ring, The Rock was supposedly storyline in an ambulance in the parking lot. And then you see Hulk Hogan behind the wheel inside a semi and the NWO outside the ring. And Hogan was, you know, we... They play it out on TV that Hogan rams the semi at full speed in the side of the ambulance. But the look on Hogan's face, like smiling, right? You know, it was supposed to be an evil smile, like he's about to fuck up the rock. But I just remember that visual and us doing a recap and laughing our asses off. But uh, that night was the first time that Hogan and the rock would actually be in the ring together. Fast forward to 2004, WWE presents No Way Out. Eddie Guerrero defeats Brock Lesnar to win the WWE Championship. The win would make Eddie Guerrero the first Latino-born WWE Champion since Pedro Morales in 1971, which we obviously talked about a week or two ago on this show. And recently, I did a poll online, and I asked fans, you know, pretty much which one is more meaningful for you? Eddie Guerrero's title win or Daniel Bryan's. And, you know, unfortunately, even though you tell people, look, the poll is simple, you know, Eddie Guerrero's title win or Daniel Bryan's title win. You got people analyzing both wins, you know, oh, this one had interference and this one is this and Daniel Bryan had a run. It's just plain and simple. Which one means more to you? But even with the voting, I think it was about 60 to 40 or 62 to 38 in favor of Eddie Guerrero. You know, we look back at Rey Mysterio's heavyweight title win, title win in WWE, and yes, it was a really great moment in wrestling history, but at the same time, there were quite a few wrestling fans who did not approve of Rey winning the heavyweight title. A lot of people, I remember at that time, doing the podcast and doing the hotline, and a lot of people felt that, you know, Rey Mysterio was 
it just didn't wasn't believable as far as him being a champion with all of the other opponents at that time and then the way he won and you know all of a sudden being invincible i'm not saying that i agree or disagree with that i'm just telling you the aura are surrounding ray mysterio's title win at that time but i will say this when eddie guerrero won the title there was none of that and when you realize and i know as years go by and wrestlers are passed on you know some wrestlers their uh their spot on the food chain gets elevated what i mean by that is as the years go by you get a lot of people that say oh you know what one day owen hart would have been heavyweight champion or one day brian pilm would have been heavyweight champion but at that time in the climate that was wwe nobody nobody was saying, oh, you know, one day Owen Hart's going to be heavyweight champion or one day Brian Pillman's going to be heavyweight champ. I mean, as fans of those guys, a lot of people would have loved it, but you didn't hear anybody talking about even that as a remote possibility. And people do get more beloved as years go by as well, unless you're a murderer. But when it comes to Eddie Guerrero, though, you know, I could tell you, just living through his career, there was a time that I, I think newer fans would never even be able to truly understand how much, you know, go away heat Eddie Guerrero had at one point in WWE. That guy, remember the Eddie sucks chance? This guy turned out to be one of the most beloved wrestlers of all time, by far, by far. And when he won this championship, I remember wrestling fans that I know that were like teary eyed because they were just so happy and they were just such big fans of Eddie Guerrero. It was a, it was a really big moment in wrestling history. 2005, there was a spot on raw that I know a lot of people have forgot about. You go back and you watch it. And I don't think WWE would remotely even dare try to do something like this again. There was a, a segment where triple H pushed Batista out of the way from getting run over by a limousine. Now, I'm not going to go through the whole storyline at that time, but if you want to go watch Raw from this week in 05 and you see that segment where Triple H pushes Batista out of the way, I think JBL was behind the wheel. Uh, they were playing that, that off that way. Um, could you just imagine if Triple H or Batista would have accidentally slipped I mean, you look at that. It wasn't something where they could have paused and they didn't do another camera angle during the push or anything like that. I just look back at that and I say to myself, my God, if Triple H would have accidentally like tripped on his shoe or something, just watch the spot and tell me if I'm exaggerating. I honestly and truthfully believe this. Watch it and tell me what you think. Now, for fans of CM Punk and Daniel Bryan, Go check out this match. Happened in 2005 at FIP. You had, uh, the event was called Dangerous Intentions, and you had CM Punk defeating Brian Danielson. Very f entertaining match. I think uh, a lot of people would, would really enjoy it going back to 2005. Also, that same week, Jeff Jarrett defeated Kevin Nash to retain the NWA World Heavyweight title. Reason why I bring it up was because there were interference during the match by X-Pac and Billy Gunn. They had made their TNA debut that night. 2006, Nassau Coliseum, Paul Heyman, house show, announces that there will be a second ECW one-night stand taking place that summer in New York City. And 
that 2006 one night stand would ultimately be the relaunch of ECW WWE's version of it at that time, but still it was uh, the beginning of the return to ECW. It was this week in 2008 that Floyd Mayweather broke the big show's nose at the no way out pay-per-view. It's already been that long, everybody. 2009, WWE presented No Way Out. It's from Seattle, Washington. That night, Triple H defeated Edge, Vladimir Kozlov, Big Show, Jeff Hardy, and Undertaker in an elimination match to win the WWE title. That's the match. I think a lot of you longtime listeners will always remember the absolute horrendous job that Vladimir Kozlov did during that match. Um, I know our episode of the DTKC show is still online from the, that night when we talked about that that event. Talk about someone who did not understand ring presence. Listen to our episode and listen to our conversation on night. I think that was the beginning of the end of Kozlov, really as far as looked at as a possible main eventer in WWE. And yes, he had his moments with Santino and things like that, but still... Uh, Kozlov just really, really embarrassed himself that night. You know, no, nothing personal against the guy, but man, did he suck. That same night, Shawn Michaels defeated JBL. And uh, as a result, Shawn Michaels was freed from working for JBL. Um, if JBL had won, he would have been the owner of Shawn Michaels' name, likeness, trademark. You know, That was the storyline at the time. Shawn Michaels, JBL's slave. Go figure. Another audio clip. This will bring back memories for a lot of you out there. Look, God bless TNA for trying, but it turned out to not work out all that well. Let's just play the audio. It was this week in 2010. Hulk Hogan and Dixie Carter would make the following announcement. Ladies and gentlemen of the media and TNA fans all over the world watching via the internet at TNAwrestling.com. We welcome you to the Impact Zone. We welcome you to Orlando, Florida, for what promises to be a very historic, a very exciting, and a very monumental announcement. For the members of the media, immediately following the principal's speeches, you will have the opportunity for a Q&A in addition to one-on-ones. At this time, ladies and gentlemen, let me introduce to you the TNA president, Dixie Carter. Thank you so much for coming. Uh, Six short years ago, TNA moved to the Impact Zone right here at Universal Studios. And shortly after, signed our first deal with Spike Television uh, in 2005. Since that time, we have grown from an impossible dream to an amazing reality. You know, no one expected us to last six months, much less become a global entertainment company with programming seen in more than 120 countries worldwide and with global touring and licensing. We took that another step on January 4th when we made the decision to move Impact to that Monday night for a special live three-hour broadcast. And it was a very successful trial. The ratings were wonderful for our company and we did 2.2 million viewers that night, held for three hours and at one point peaked to 3.4 million. We also had record ratings across every demo. So after seeing those results, Spike TV and TNA saw the potential on what could happen if we moved Impact to Monday night, where historically the wrestling audience has always been. So today I'm very happy 
to announce to you that starting March 8th, TNA Impact is moving to Monday nights at 9 o'clock Eastern and Pacific. We're very, very excited about the move, obviously, and it's no coincidence that four months ago, a lot of excitement and buzz started happening in our company. We got more headlines around the world than we've ever had, more media generated, record ratings both domestically and in countries around the world. And on October 27th, I think it was, at Madison Square Garden, Hulk Hogan shocked the wrestling world when he announced me and TNA as his new wrestling partner. We said that day we were gonna turn the wrestling world upside down, and I think we've done just that. He also said that TNA was a great company with amazing talent, an amazing fan base, and just needed that little bit of rocket fuel, as he said. And uh, today I'm here to tell you, I think Hulk Hogan has definitely been that rocket fuel that TNA needed. So I'm excited today to be the one to introduce him at a press conference. So ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the pop icon, Hulk Hogan. I like that Hulk Hogan, a little bit of rocket fuel imitation. That was cool. Um, this is amazing. It's, it's overwhelming to me. Um, I've been around the block a couple times in this business, and I had no idea with, you know, Dixie Carter, her dad, um, Bob Carter, TNA, this whole TNA family, the whole support staff. I had no idea how quick, in, in such a short amount of time, such amazing things would happen. Um, it's only been a few weeks and here we are making this huge announcement. It's game time, it's game on. And um, we're getting momentum, you know, each and every taping, each and every day when we have our meetings. I've never been around a company before that has so many positive things happening from the people, from the ideas, from the work ethic. This is an honor to be here. Um, if you'd have told me three or four years ago that in the twilight of my career, I would have an opportunity to be around such great people, I would have thought you were crazy. But being here today, this is bigger for me than any wrestling moment in my career because just when I thought things had leveled out, just when I thought you know Hulk Hogan and, and my whole career had peaked and there was this unbelievable height that I'd achieved, we're getting ready and we are making history. And things from this day forward are gonna change like they've never changed before. So hang on for the ride. Um, TNA has everything we need to go somewhere um, no sports entertainment company has ever gone before. Everybody's dedicated here. Um, on my level in the dressing room, that old barbaric wrestling mentality is gone. These guys are all about working hard, raising the bar, you know, actually, you know, finding new ground to take wrestling to. So to be here, I actually feel young again. I feel, you know, a spring in my step, and, and I'm, just, I'm just so proud. And thank you, Dixie. Thank you, thank you Bob Carter. Um, he's over in Texas, not up there. And uh, TNA, the whole family, thank you so much for 
letting me share, for letting me be here. And um, if it wasn't for the hard work that everyone has done over the years, this moment wouldn't happen. It's not a Hulk Hogan thing, and I thank you very much for the little extra, you know, gasoline-type um, cliché, but it, it's not me. It really isn't. This company has a foundation that's unselfish, that's giving, that's committed like no company I've ever worked for before. These people are real. There's no agendas here. This is a one team. It's a one vibration going forward, and it's all positive. Thank you, Dixie. Thank you, TNA. Bob Carter, I love you guys. Thank you for giving me a chance to have life after life. And TNA is on a roll, so put your seatbelt on. The ride's getting ready to really take off now. You know, when you listen to that and you realize that at one point they had viewership watching TNA Impact that got close to 3 million viewers, more than what SmackDown gets now at times, even close to WWE levels. Now, yes, I know people are going to say, oh, well, you know what? They got Hulu and they got YouTube and they got this and they got that where people don't have to watch live and... As I always say, for anybody that's into business, you, I don't even need to explain it. But primetime, commercials, advertisers, first airings, very, very crucial. And when you realize the number of viewers that TNA had not too many years ago, and now, as of right now, only gets about 300,000 viewers, on average, 280, 290, it just gives you an idea as far as how much TNA has dropped in views over the years. It's uh, in recent years, I should say. That same week at the Impact tapings, a little bit of controversy happened. It was this week in 2010 that Orlando Jordan came out for his match against Samoa Joe. He had a woman in one arm, a man in the other, and he kissed both of them prior to the match. A lot of people backstage felt very uncomfortable. And it's interesting, even though it's only 2010 when this happened. If that happened now, could you imagine social media basically fighting back and saying, why would you feel uncomfortable? Why, a man can't kiss another man? I'm telling you. I mean, it's it's not too many years ago, and you realize how time significantly has changed in such a short number of years. But that's how it went down that night. It was uh, something that uh, backstage was not happy about. And uh, people have reported online different stories. And uh, they felt that the storyline would turn off viewers uh, of Spike TV. And at that time, Spike TV was a network designed primarily for a male audience. You know, so just sharing with you some news history. I'm not sharing an opinion right now. This week, also in 2010, WWE presented the final episode of their version of ECW. The main event had Ezekiel Jackson defeating Christian in an Extreme Rules match to become the last ever ECW champion. 2011, The Rock returns to WWE. Now, if you follow history, The Rock last worked full-time for WWE in 2004, you know, made some sporadic appearances here and there, but it was 2011 when The Rock came back and was announced as the host and star of WrestleMania 27. And this would be the launch of the feud between John Cena and The Rock. Now, don't get me wrong. There were interviews and there were reports 
prior to this of The Rock and John Cena not getting along. But this was The Rock's return to WWE. And he cut a very memorable promo that night and called out John Cena. And for those that would like to be reminded of how that went down that night, here you go. The Rock's return to WWE 2011. After seven long years. Finally. 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 Before the rock gets into that, before we electrify, before we turn this out tonight, for those of you who don't know, the rock has many nicknames. The great one, the most electrifying man in all of entertainment. The People's Champion. But I want to tell you something that's important to me right now. I need to take this moment and I need to tell you something as Dwayne. It's been a long time since I've been back. Seven years to be exact. But I want to take this moment in the middle of this ring to tell you why I'm back. It's not because of the money. It's not to promote a movie. I am back in the middle of this ring because of you. When I left, when I left the WWE seven years ago, I dreamed big, and you guys dreamed big with me. You helped me accomplish my goals, accomplish my dreams, because you never left my side. 
And I want to take this moment to tell you all here, you're live here, millions watching around the world. I want to tell you thank you. I love you. And it is because of you that I'm back in this ring, and it is because of you, and I give you my word, I am never, ever going away. Ladies and gentlemen, The Rock is back! Now, The Rock is back because I wanted to do something unprecedented, something no man had ever done before. I wanted to host WrestleMania. So it happened. The Rock called Vince McMahon. And Vince McMahon said, Rock, I know why you're calling. I know you know I need a host for WrestleMania. Rock, there's only one man electrifying enough to host WrestleMania. Rock, there's only one man that can captivate the world. Rock, that man can only be Justin Bieber. But I told Vince, I said, whoa, whoa, no, 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 hey. No, The Rock knows Justin, he's cool. Dig, dig the kid, cool kid. But make no mistake about it, Vince, there is only one man capable enough to host WrestleMania. That man is the jabroni beating, ow, pie eating, trail blazing, eyebrow raising, step off the brake, put your foot on the gas, always ready to whoop some ass, people's champ, The Rock. The Rock is going to WrestleMania. The Rock will host WrestleMania. And at the drop of a dime, The Rock will lay at the smack down at WrestleMania. But to who? That's the question. There is one man who The Rock is gonna see. There is one man who The Rock has to see face to face. A guy who I met, a guy who I thought was a cool guy. Wished him well, happy for his success. When The Rock leaves, he comes in and out of the blue, eventually, he starts talking trash about The Rock. I don't know why, and I don't care, but I'm back now. You might have heard of him. His name is John Cena.
So let me get this straight. The WWE has gone from the powerful Austin 316 to the dominant and iconic. Can you smell what the rock is cooking? All the way to you can't see me. You can't see me. You can't see me. What are you playing? Peekaboo? You can't see me. I can see you. You can't. Can you see me? Oh, believe me. We all can see you. We all can see you. A blindfolded sleeping, stuck in the basement Stevie Wonder can see your monkey ass. How the hell you think we can miss? You come out here with your bright ass purple shirt. And before that, your bright green shirt. Before that, your bright orange shirt. You're running around here looking like a big fat bowl of fruity pebbles. John Cena, The Rock will see you at WrestleMania. Just like The Rock will see The Miz at WrestleMania. Just like he will see everyone at WrestleMania. And just as sure as The Rock, just as sure as The Rock turns WrestleMania into the most epic WrestleMania of all time. And just as sure as anything can and will happen at WrestleMania. And just as sure as every day John Cena walks out here looking like he just got shot out of Barney the Dinosaur's anus is just... Is just as sure as a rock guarantees three things. At this WrestleMania, the rock guarantees to show the world that he is the most electrifying man in all of entertainment. The rock guarantees at the drop of a dime, just like that, to lay it the smack it down on all their candy asses. And the last thing. And most important, The Rock and the millions. No, 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 no. That's not good enough. No, 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 no. The Rock and the millions. No, 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 no. That's still not good enough. The Rock is the people's champ. You are the backbone of The Rock. When we speak, our voices are heard. We all say, I bring it. Anaheim, the world is watching. Anaheim, the world is listening. One more time, when the rock and the millions of the rock's fans go to WrestleMania and electrify WrestleMania and the world like no one else can. If you're the man, what the rock
One other tidbit from that night that you may not remember. This, at that time, they were doing the, you remember when they were doing the great Kali and his Kali kiss cam? Well, they were doing random uh, fans in attendance, see if they would kiss their significant other. And they actually flashed backstage of William Regal standing next to Zack Ryder. And he gave Zack Ryder a little kiss on the cheek. It was cute. I think a lot of people remember that. This week also, in 2011, TNA presented the Against All Odds pay-per-view from Universal Studios. Jeff Jarrett defeated Kurt Angle. And this was just a horrendous storyline at that time. With Jeff Jarrett's win, the storyline was that Kurt Angle was forced to walk Karen Angle down the aisle for Jeff Jarrett and Karen Angle's wedding. Had Kurt Angle won, he would have uh, gained sole custody of Cody and Kyra Angle. That was the storyline at that time. I know a lot of us were not uh, enjoying it at all. It was just, just... Didn't like it. Did not go well on TV. 2012, TNA announces uh, through Dixie Carter's Facebook account that the company had parted ways with Vince Russo. And, um, you know, this sparked some controversy because, you know, there was a story in the summer of 2014 that Vince Russo was uh, a creative consultant behind the scenes, but nobody knew about it. And this led to Spike TV not renewing their TV deal. I honestly, look, I'm a fan of Vince Russo's. It's no secret. You know, he's done some things over the years that I don't, agree with either you know not every you know storyline or idea he did was was great but i am a fan of his and i understand the uh amount of success that he's had in wrestling but even if you're the biggest vince russo hater out there take a step back and just ask yourself for a minute spike tv not renewing their tv deal with tna because they found out vince russo was giving some creative advice behind the scenes you know i can understand if vince russo did something illegal or did something massively immoral that where Spike TV turned around and said, this guy is nowhere around your company anymore. And if we, if he is, we're not doing business with you. I mean, just because people feel that he's guilty of not having the greatest storyline ideas for TNA, that Spike TV is not going to renew a TV deal over. I, it just sounds asinine. Again, you could be the biggest Vince Russo here. Take a step back for a minute. Put your bias aside. Just ask yourself. You know, the guy, no, it just doesn't make sense. But anyway, it was this week in 12 that they announced that he was done with TNA. This same week on Monday Night Raw, to me, the pinnacle of Zack Ryder's career. Yes, I know he won the title at WrestleMania not too, too many years ago, but still... I remember this at that time. It was the beginning of the mediocrity for Zack Ryder. And look, it's not personal against the guy. I just never valued him as a major player. And yeah, he's got the woo, woo, woo. And he did the, the, the online YouTube stuff. But I just never saw all that in Zack Ryder. But it was this week on Raw that first... Zack Ryder, remember he was in a wheelchair and he witnessed Eve Torres making out with John Cena. And then Kane threw Zack Ryder uh, while he was in the wheelchair off the stage. And uh, look, he took a, a pretty nice bump in that wheelchair going off the stage. But doesn't take away the fact that I and I remember people getting upset with me at the time 
talking about Zack Ryder and saying, look, enjoy this because this is the beginning where he just goes down to mediocrity. So, but that's how it went down in 12. 2013, The Rock unveils the new WWE title. Now, remember, at that time, we had the spinner belt. They had used it from 2005. I think a lot of people might be surprised to realize that the spinner belt was around that many years. But this was the title where The Rock uh, introduced, where it had the big word champion underneath the logo. And you could do a Google image search to see it, but it's already, uh, you know, that many years that uh, since they debuted that title. Now, obviously, we got the Universal title and we have the other belts now, but it was this week at 13 that he debuted the new uh, look for the WWE title. 2015, Samoa Joe announces on his Twitter that he has left TNA after almost 10 years with the company. That same week, Cesaro's Twitter gets hacked. And the only reason why I'm bringing it up at that time because a lot of people thought that the tweets were real. He was basically, uh, well, his Twitter account was ripping on Vince McMahon, saying some pretty horrible shit, complaining about his role in WWE. And a fan, it was learned, hacked the account. And after he made the tweets, whoever this person was, handed the account back to Cesaro. Now, when I say handed, he probably changed the password back to what it was and Cesaro gained control of the account, changed the password, deleted the tweets and blah, 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 blah. But still, I remember when it went down, a lot of people like, holy shit, did you see what fucking Cesaro wrote? Yeah, it was a pretty big deal at that time, 2015. And finally for this week, 2017. Three moments that I remember, two of them involve audio clips, which I will share with you. First, I want to talk about the moment that I don't have an audio clip. You have to watch the visual. They were right smack in the middle of a feud between Baron Corbin, Dean Ambrose. They did a a skit where they were up the rampway and Baron Corbin tossed Dean Ambrose on top of some electrical equipment. The electrical equipment would sort of explode and we were supposed to obviously believe that Dean Ambrose was injured because of the exploding wires. The problem is if you actually watch the segment again, and I remember us laughing at it at the time, which is a shame, that Dean Ambrose had not landed yet onto the wires and the table and somebody prematurely set off a couple of the uh, sparks or explosion, whatever you want to call it. And it just came off very, very cheesy on TV. Now, the first of the two audio clips I want to share, and even though it hasn't been that long ago, I think a lot of people forget how many weeks that this was built up. This week in 2017, we had the return of this person. Oh, you've been so good. You've waited so long. But I promise it will be worth the wait. Gentlemen, the wait is finally over. Emelina premieres next. Oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. Oh, try to contain yourself. Shut up, Corey. Saxton. 
Don't ruin this for me. Good God in heaven, she has arrived. Finally. For 17 weeks, you have waited for the makeover of Emma to Emmalina. <laughs> well, here I am. There she is. And now, now you will see the makeover from Emmalina to Emma. What? Thank you. Uh, come again? I remember that. And I knew it was a bunch of weeks that they were hyping her transformation to Emmalina. But when you hear that and then remember and realize that it was almost five months, over four months of them hyping up the debut of Emmalina, and technically to troll the fans like that, man, I know Emma's no longer with WWE, but still to have that build up for four and a half months. Now we've heard reports since then the WWE realized that that's not the part for her and this and that still, they led that hyped it up for over four months. So I just, I don't know. One of the dumbest decisions that WWE ever did create creatively. I mean, to have her build up that many weeks and then just decide, you know what? We'll have her come out and then announce that she's going to transform back to Emma. And it's like, what the fuck are you doing? I mean, why even have a person on the ride? I mean, look, she got paid during that time. I'm sure money-wise, she's very happy. But creatively, man, did that suck. It did. And finally, it was this week in 2017. And I'm not going to play the entire audio because it goes on a very long time. But for me, probably in my top, one or two of moments in 2017 that I absolutely enjoyed. And I voted for this as my most memorable moment of 2017, the Festival of Friendship involving Kevin Owens and Chris Jericho. Loved them as a tag team. Um, just thought it really gelled together. Obviously, as we talked about last year, that, that storyline had to come to an end. Chris Jericho was going to be leaving it did lead to a match at WrestleMania. I still feel that the match should have been for the universal title and Chris Jericho should have came on top. I think that would have been the perfect ending to that whole storyline, that whole chapter, but it didn't go down that way. We had Goldberg and Brock Lesnar, which, you know, wasn't a complaint. I'm not getting any complaints from me, but still the festival of friendship. I think it was, what was the remark I said last year? If a heel could possibly turn heel, that's what Kevin Owens did that night. And you had to listen to my whole analysis back then to really understand that remark. But I had a lot of people that agree with me. Like, you know, it sounds a little crazy, but if you take a step back and just remember how everything went down, that's probably the best way to describe it. So here is just the closing moments of what went down that night. 
just a couple of back and forths between the two, which I think will spark memories for a lot of you out there that really enjoyed the Festival of Friendship. I don't understand. I, Explain this to me, please. I, I kind of thought the Gilbert thing was pretty funny, but... Well, listen, okay, listen, okay, listen. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I did all this for you, okay? I, I apologize it wasn't what you were expecting it to be, but... I really wanted to, to do something to show everybody, honestly, how much you mean to me as a friend. Okay, I, 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 for the last year, I, I gotta tell you, listen, I've had such a great time uh, working with you, uh, being your partner. It, it, it's made this last year in the WWE one, one of my favorite years of my entire career. And a lot of that's because of you. Okay, it really is. I mean, I, I've had a lot of friends in this business and a lot of partners, but I haven't had the chemistry with any of them like I have with you. It's, it's been a joy. You've made, you've made, you've made my, 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 my job here and my time here in the WWE a better place, and I wanted to thank you for that, okay? And, and, and forget about the, the, the magicians and the artwork and the Gilberg. Here's the biggest present that I'm going to give you. I'm going to guarantee you that at Fastlane, you're going to beat Goldberg because I'm going to make sure of it. Okay, I've got your back every time, just like I did with Sami Zayn and Roman Reigns and Seth Rollins and all of them. You always come out on top because I always have your back, all right? Okay? And at Fastlane, you will beat Goldberg because I've got your back. Okay, and you know why? It's because you're my best friend. Even more so, you're, you're my brother. You're my brother, okay? And I love you, man. Honestly, I really do. And I'm going to have your back always. That's never going to change, okay? Look, uh, look, I, I'm, I'm sorry, okay, Chris? I am because this, this isn't what I expected, but uh, you obviously went through a lot of trouble. You did all this for me. And look, it, it's great, okay? I, it's great. I... I love you too, buddy. I love you. Thank you. And uh, look, I, I know you've got my back against Goldberg. And I, I know I'm going to walk out of Fastlane, still the WWE Universal Champion. But Chris, look, I, I kind of feel bad now because after seeing all of this, I didn't realize... You'd go all out like this, because I, I got you something too, but it's, it's nothing compared to this, but I'll, can I have it please? I'll give it to you anyway, I mean. Like I said, it's really not much, especially not compared to this, but it comes from the heart, man. Thanks, go, go ahead, open it. Okay. Dude, I can't, I can't, I didn't know you were going to get me anything. I know it's not much, but... It's perfect. A new list. I mean, it's great. I mean, the other list is, is getting beat up and it's, it's getting full. How come my name's on this? at all. Kevin Owens 
lost it. Kevin Owens is mauling his former best friend. I can't believe what I'm witnessing right now. Notable birthdays for this week. First, happy birthday to Viscera and Larry Sweeney, who are no longer with us. Lumberjack Pierre turns 79. Rip Rogers, 63. Hugo Zavinovich, 59. The one-man gang, happy birthday, turns 58. Baby Doll turns 56. Gangrel, 49. Tommy Dreamer, 47. Jack Doan turns 46. Roxana Castellanos, 45. Makoto Oishi turns 39. Lufisto turns 38. Ayako Hamada and Jenna Maraska turn 37. Len Oddity and Jimmy Jacobs, they turn 34. Happy birthday to Ricardo Rodriguez, who turns 32. And happy birthday, Rich Swan, who turns 27. Notable deaths, and we got quite a few of them this week. Very sad. Frank Martinez died at 81. George the Animal Steel and Tony Charles died at age 79. Mikiaki Yoshimura died at 76. Tony Altamore and Ivan Koloff passed away at age 74. Mildred Burke died at age 73. Johnny Weaver, 72. Kurt Von Stroheim and Gil Guerrero died at 69. Buddy Lee passed away at the age of 66. Nicole Bass died. It's already been that long. 52 years old. Ryo Nakata died at 51. Viscera. How many times have I mentioned this already in recent months? People who celebrated birthdays and died the same week or in some cases the same day. Viscera passed away this week at 43 and it was also his birthday this week. Mike Awesome passed away this week at age 42. Johnny Grunge at 39. Kerry Von Erich, Eddie Gilbert, and Damian Michaels all died at the age of 33. Slick Robbie D passed away at the age of 32. And last but not least, we lost this week Luis Piccoli, who had died at the age of only 27. I hope you enjoyed this week in wrestling history. I am Don Tony bidding you farewell. I will return one week from today with your next edition. So everyone, please follow me on Twitter at Don Tony D. The website, dontony.com. For the archived episodes, dontonykevincastle.com. If you want to email me, it's dontony at dontony.com. And if you like what we do and you'd like to help support us, keep the bills paid, keep the lights on, and also get some exclusive content that we do not stream online, give our Patreon page a shot. It is patreon.com slash dontony. You have hundreds of hours of content there that is Patreon exclusive. We have giveaways, pay-per-view predictions contests. It is loaded, very interactive, and a very small, tight-knit family there. So give it a shot. I Something tells me that you will not regret it. Patreon.com slash Don Tony. Everyone be well. I will talk to you all soon. And once again, thank you, as always, for the support. Ciao, everybody. Cloud is powering tomorrow's transformative missions. Federal agencies are partnering with SAIC to help them meet these critical moments where bold moves require confident blueprints. 
where you can accelerate transformation through consistency, where you can innovate forward and never look back. SAIC quickly and securely migrates large-scale workloads to the cloud with the confidence you need to assure your mission. Learn more at saic.com slash cloud. So we're here at Marshall's with Liz for some holiday shopping. She's really nailing it this year, isn't she? Oh, yep. She's got a record player for Amy. A gorgeous cozy sweater for Jason. And some hot pink fluffy slippers for her sister. The perfect gift. Wait a sec. <gasps> She's getting a pair for herself. Well, with prices this good, it would be rude not to. You know what? She totally deserves it. Oh, totally. Happy holidays, everyone. See you at Marshall's. Fabulous brands. Feel good prices at, at Marshall's. Marshall's.